This has been four years probably in the making. I've added stuff. I've took stuff away. And the Lord has been dealing with me about it is time for this church to become soul winners. We know how to pray. We love to pray. We know how to worship. We love to worship. Amen. We know how to fellowship. We love to eat. Amen. You know what we need to learn how to do? We need to learn how to duplicate ourselves. Amen. He's, when he created all those things in the beginning of Genesis, he said, whose seed was in itself. He created everything to recreate itself. And so I thought, what a shame for the church to not know how to recreate itself. Amen. And so under a burden tonight, I just, I'm going to teach you a little while. I've never done this uh, just like this, uh, but first of all, I've got two reasons I want to do this. First of all is you need to know this. Yeah, Come on. I, I just assume that people that grow up, well, y'all can sit down. I'm just rambling. I'm, I'm fixing to start. I just assume grow, that people that grow up in a church that preaches truth, I just assumed they knew it. And I, I, sadly to say, I have seen people that were in powerful churches just end up at a dead church that don't preach anything. And, I, and it clicked one day, they don't know the difference. Uh, they, they think there's many avenues. But I want to tell you, there's one church... The Bible said he added daily to the church. Amen. That church don't have a name. That church is not an organization. That church, you can't tell what it is by what the sign says. The only way you can tell is if you open up that word of God and they're doing what that book says. Amen. And so, amen, with my heart uh, full Amen. I, I, I want to I help people tonight. It's so good to have Brandy Smith here with Bobby. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Amen. And Charlotte Butler here with the Brooks. Thank you for being here. Lord bless you. Amen. Praise God. Ain't God good to us? Some of you have heard parts of this. Some of you have heard more than others. Nobody's heard all of this because I keep adding. Amen. Praise God. I felt it so powerfully Sunday morning about the way miracles happen is if people would just learn how to pour into other people. Amen. First of all, you got to know it. Amen. You, you got to be assured. You got to know the word. You got to study to show yourself even approved. Amen. You, you have to know the word of God. Amen. But then something's got to get in your spirit. Amen. That you want to teach other people. Amen. And, and that I pray to God it would never be like we just come together and enjoy this wonderful spirit of God, this anointing, but not have a burden to go teach somebody else. Amen. I, it was a, a risk, I guess you could say, to announce I'm going to teach a salvation Bible study because you never... <laughs> Amen. Some people think that's boring. It's the best subject to me. Amen. This is the only thing I'm worried about. 
Amen. Is making heaven my home. Amen. So let, let's go to the forward. Amen. And now just, just a little reasoning of why I did this. Scholars will tell us that there are 45,000 different denominations of Christianity. That's crazy. And this can be quite confusing to the person who's truly searching for the God of the Bible. Equally confusing is the fact that most denominations believe that they're the only ones who have discovered truth. <laughs> and they believe that to belong to any other church or denomination would cause you to be a heretic. And this can be disconcerting to the hungry soul and it causes people to give up their search. Because of this, I felt compelled to put together this quick study guide. It used to be real quick, but I've added a lot of stuff to it. I may have to amend that. Quick study guide to help people who are seeking truth. So let us put aside the teachings of organizations and denominations and just look and see what does the Bible say. Well, what an idea, what a thought to just... Amen. Not what somebody mailed to us and told us this is what we're supposed to do or the message we're supposed to preach. What, what an idea to just say, you know what, if the Bible says it, I'm going to do it. Amen. Is that how everybody in this house feels? Hallelujah. Amen. Page one. What does the Bible say about salvation? You know that the, the New Testament was written in Greek, and so you have to be a student of words to be able to understand what the Bible's saying. Some of it is obvious, and some of it you have to really dig. But the word salvation was translated from a Greek word, soteria, and it means to rescue, it means to deliver. It's the state of not being in grave danger and so being safe. And this can refer to ordinary dangers and conditions on earth. But to us, to Christianity, to the Bible, it usually refers to the state of believers being safe from righteous wrath and in a proper relationship with God. Amen. That's what salvation means is God's not fixing to chop your head off. <laughs> Amen. You're doing what he wants you to do. Amen. And so I want to study about salvation. Matthew 7 and 21 the Bible said, not everyone. Everybody say, not, not. Everyone. everyone. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many Wonderful works. This is red letters. I hope you all are getting this. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Amen. Not everyone. Jesus is saying that not everyone that calls themselves Christians is going to be saved. Amen. It ain't me preaching it. I'm I, we're, we're in a Bible study called, What Does the Bible Say? Amen. And so if Jesus said not everyone that's going to be saved that calls themselves Christians, that makes it very important for me, very important for you and your family, 
to make sure that we have been obedient to the word of God. Amen. 2 Timothy 3 and 16, the Bible said all scripture. Everybody say all scripture. All scripture is given by who? It's the inspiration of God and it is profitable. That means it's good for you. That means it adds to you for doctrine. That means teaching, for reproof. That means when you get a scolding every now and then. For correction, meaning when it corrects your direction. For instruction in righteousness. And the Bible once again said it's all scripture. Everybody say all scripture. Why does it make this important? Because a lot of people pull one scripture out of the Bible and they say, well, this, the, the Bible said this and, and they ignore everything else in it. Amen. I don't want to ignore the rest of the Bible and try to twist one little scripture to my destruction. Amen. I, I want to take the whole counsel of God and I want to comply with it and do what it says. Amen. And when you get that attitude that all scripture was given by inspiration of God, it'll be easy for you to do what the Bible says. And so we got to understand that all scripture is valid. And we have to understand that we have to be obedient to all scripture. Second Peter 1 and 21, for the prophecy came not. Everybody say it came not. It came not in old time by the will of man. But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Key point, this Bible is written by the will of God, not the will of man. People have asked me many times, why is the book of this not in the Bible? Let me tell you why. Because this book was written by the will of God, not by the will of man. The reason the apocryphal is not in this book It's because this book was written by the will of God, not by the will of man. Amen. Here's another point. Deuteronomy 4 and 2. You shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it. That means don't add to it, don't take away. That ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. That was... The Old Testament. Now listen to the New Testament. Revelation 22 and 18. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. Amen. I'm a preacher, and I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to add to the word of God. Amen. This Bible said if you add to the word of God, he's going to add plagues unto your life. Let me just tell you, you can get a self-righteous spirit on you, and you can try to make people do things that you think they ought to do. The best thing for you is just be real quiet and let the word of God Let the word of God lead people and you just (laughs) help them out. Amen. If you add, God said, I'm going to add plagues. But he said, if you take away, it's going to be different. I'm going to take your name out of the book of life. Amen. So a preacher that would preach an easier way 
so he could get a bigger crowd. His name is not in the book of life. You, you, you can't let circumstance make you do things a certain way. This has got to be your moral compass. Amen. If nobody likes it, you still have to preach it and you still have to tell it. And you have to do what it says. If it feels good or it don't. Everybody say we can't add and we can't take away. Page number three. So as we begin the study on salvation, let us remember these four Key points as we go into the Bible. Not everyone that calls themselves Christians will meet the requirements of salvation. All scripture is inspired of God and must be obeyed. The Bible is written by the will of God, not man. And we can't add or we cannot take away from the scriptures. So now let us study what the Bible says Pertaining to salvation. Praise God. Amen. Let's begin with believing. What does the Bible say about believing? The reason I start with this is because everybody starts here. Believe is translated from a Greek word, pisteo, meaning to believe, to put one's faith in. It means to trust. But the Greek word has an implication that there's going to be actions that are based upon that trust that are going to follow. Amen. Our English word is believe. The Greek word means everything our English word means, but it means more. It means you're going to do something. If I had cancer and I said apples will cure cancer, but I never ate an apple, you would say you really don't believe that. But if I walked around saying apples cure cancer and I had a big old bag of apples on my back, you would say that guy believes. This is the true meaning of believe is that you're going to do something. Believe ain't just a few electrons bouncing around in your mind. Amen. But believe means you're going to do something to back it up. So let's see what the Bible says about believing. Hebrews 11 and 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God, what? Must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Hebrews 11 and 6 said we must believe. Mark 16 and 16. He that what? Believeth and is baptized shall be what? Say, but he that believeth not shall be. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever what? Believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, the Bible is connecting believing to salvation. John 3, 18, he that what? Believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Does the Bible say that believing is an essential part 
to obtaining salvation. Have you believed? Praise God. Page five. What does the Bible say about confession? Confession is translated from the word homologio, which means to confess, obviously, to acknowledge, to agree, to admit, to declare. This can be a profession of allegiance, an admission of bad behavior, or an emphatic declaration of truth. Amen. Why are we going on? Because as some churches say, all you have to do is believe and you're saved. But I'm not interested in what churches say. I'm worried and concerned about what does the Bible say. Romans 10 and 9 says that if, everybody say if, if thou shalt what? Confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. First John 1 and 9 begins with that wonderful word. If we what? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to what? To forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What do we have to do to be cleansed from unrighteousness? Praise God. Proverbs 28, 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth, not just confesseth, but there's something else now it's talking about. And forsaketh them shall have mercy. Amen. The writer of Proverbs is saying, if you want to get mercy, you're going to have to open your mouth and say, I'm a sinner and I need God. But not only that, you're going to have to forsake those sins. You can't come and just say blah, blah, blah and go back and live the same sinful life you had and think that you're going to get mercy. Amen. Because the Bible said you got to confess it. And then you got to forsake those sins. You got to get rid of those sins. You got to walk away from them. Amen. Does the Bible say that confessing is an essential part to obtaining salvation? Yes. Did everybody say yes? Yes. yes. I hope everybody said yes. Have you confessed? Amen. Praise. I used to have yes or no, but now I'm like yes or not yet. I'm just trying to be nice. <laughs> It's the goodness of God that leadeth men to repentance, and I'm trying to be good. What does the Bible say about repentance? I'm telling you, the further we go along, the further we're going to get from a lot of Protestantism. We're going to leave a lot of their beliefs behind. Amen, because they fall off the wagon somewhere around page one or two. What does the Bible say about repentance? It's translated from the Greek word metaneo which means to repent, to change any or all of the elements composing one's life. Their attitude, their thoughts, their behaviors concerning the demands of God for right living. The exact word definition of our English word repent, the exact definition was you're willing to change anything to be right with God. Hallelujah. Well, 
Well, I don't know if you got to do all that now. Come on now, don't be getting on all my stuff. Well, let's just see what the Bible said. Amen. We got church neighbors that where we're building and they... Anyway, let's see what the Bible says though. Red letters, Luke 13 and 5, I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise. Jesus said if you don't repent, if you don't change, you're going to perish. Acts 3 and 19, the Bible said, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. You have to repent if you want your sins to be blotted out. If you don't repent, I don't care if you got baptized in whatever, without repentance, them sins will not be blotted out according to the word of God. Y'all looking at me like I'm coming up with something. Luke. 24 and 47, red letters again. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. What is the point to this scripture? Jesus was commanding his disciples to preach repentance. I love the prosperity message. But you got to repent before you can ever prosper. Amen. Acts 2 and 38, then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. What makes this scripture so important was that Simon Peter, in Matthew the 16th chapter, was given the keys to the kingdom by Jesus Christ himself. And he said, Repent. Amen. Who are you going to listen to? Somebody with the keys or, or somebody that wants your money? <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Matthew 4 and 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, and I should have put this in red, but I'm going to make that correction the next time. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And if you want to get in it, you got to repent. 2 Peter 3 and 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish. He don't want anybody to be lost. But he wants all people to come to repentance. Are you getting the connection with repentance and salvation? No repentance, you're going to perish. Amen. Why are you always preaching you need to change? Why are you always preaching you need to come out from among them and be ye separate? Why are you preaching you need to get rid of your old buddies if they're dragging you down the wrong pathway? Because if you never turn from your old ways, uh, you'll never make it to heaven. So does the Bible say that repentance is an essential part to obtaining salvation? Yes. Have you repented? Yes. 
Praise God. The further we go, the further we're getting away from a lot of churches. And a lot of organizations, we've already ran past them. I want, I want to catch them up. You know what I love to do is pull every organization in this church or this city to where they need to be. Amen. I want to open up blinded eyes. Amen. I want to see people get on fire for Jesus. Amen. It's time to stand flat-footed and just tell it like it is and not try to sugarcoat it and use words that don't mean what it means. It is what it is. It's the Word of God, and we got to tell people. Hallelujah. Amen. You don't, when you teach this, you don't have to holler at people. I'm just... <laughs> You can be nice. I'm just, I can't help it. What does the Bible say about baptism? I don't care what the church downtown said about it. I want to know what the Bible said about baptism. It's translated from a Greek word, baptizo or baptisma. It is simply a ceremonial washing or a cleansing. Some churches say you ain't got to do it, but what does the Bible say? John 3 and 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Mark 16 and 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. 1 Peter 3 and 20, which sometime were disobedient. When once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. I should have highlighted that. I hope you're making all these corrections, Sister Tammy. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Amen. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Baptism, the Bible said, doth now save us. Romans 6 and 3. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into what? Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are Buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so we also should walk in newness of life. The fifth verse for, what's that big letter? Big word right there. If, if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death. That means if we have been buried we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection. The scripture is saying if you haven't been buried in Christ, there will be no resurrection for you. Does the Bible say that baptism or being baptized is an essential part to obtaining salvation? Yes. Have you been baptized? Hallelujah. Since the Bible says on page 9, since the Bible says baptism is essential for salvation, what does the Bible say is the proper mode or the proper method 
of baptism. This is my favorite part. Jesus said in Matthew 28 and 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the what? The name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Here's the point to Matthew 28 19. Jesus was commanding them that baptism should be administered in the singular name. Is that what it said? Let me read it again. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the singular name, N-A-M-E, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So, does the Bible say what the singular name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is? Praise God. Let us just examine and see what the Bible said. Forget about what the church downtown or our neighbor says. Let's just see what the Bible says. To understand the singular name of the Father, we first need to read some scriptures that explain the identity of who God is in the Bible. You've got to know who God is. The Old Testament, Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Hear, O Israel... The Lord our God is one Lord. The New Testament, Mark 12 and 28, and one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, what is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, and this should have been in red letters, the first of all the commandments is... Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. I'm telling you, the Bible emphatically teaches from the front to the back that there is one Lord. There's, well, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Amen. The Bible teaches us, no matter where you're reading it, there is one God. Amen. Well, how do you explain this? Well, let's just read the Bible. Isaiah 9 and 6 says, For unto us a child is born. Unto us a what? Everybody say it again. Say it one more time. A son is given. You don't have to be scared of the word son. It's the Bible. A son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder and his what? Name. He's got a name. He's got a name. What is his name going to cover? His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Whose name is that? Here's the point. Isaiah 9 and 6 is a messianic prophecy. Amen. And this, that means of the Messiah. Nobody argues that it is a prophecy of the Messiah. No matter what religion they are, they're telling you Isaiah 9 and 6 is messianic. And this messianic prophecy tells us that the son's name would be called the mighty God. The son's 
name would be called the mighty God. Not only that, but he would be called the everlasting father. As well as the prince. The prince is the son of a king. He's the prince of peace. Isaiah is prophesying that the baby, which would be called the son, amen, which would be born in Bethlehem, will be father and son simultaneously. He's father, he's son, he's mighty God, amen, and he's still the prince of peace. How does this happen, people? getting mixed up about how this could be. Paul, writing to Timothy, explains in 1 Timothy 3 and 16, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God, everybody say God. God, God. say it again. God. God was manifest in the flesh. Where is he? Not another person. God was manifest in the flesh. He was justified in the spirit. He was seen of angels. It was God that did all this. Preached unto the Gentiles. Believed on in the world and received up into glory. Amen. The Bible is teaching us. Amen. It was Jesus who preached the gospel. It was Jesus that was believed by many. It was Jesus that was received up into glory. We know that. We read the the Bible and it told us all that. But the Bible also tells us that that was God manifest in the flesh. The one that stood there and was received up into glory. And there was men in white apparel saying, what are you looking at? He's going to come back again just like he went up. The Bible saying that was God that went up. Amen. Praise God. I'm trying to teach if y'all will help me not get all wound up. John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the word, the logos, which is the plan. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Verse 14 said, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us the word which was God. My Lord. The word which was God became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. Wow. Help me God to just keep on going. The Bible is telling us again, John 1, John 1 and 14, that Jesus was simply God, the Word, the Spirit manifest or made visible in the flesh. Hebrews 1 and 1, God who at sundry times, what a beautiful old English word, sundry, that means various times. And in diverse manners, there's another word that means the exact same thing. Different manners. God who at different times and in different manners or different ways spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. 
hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, whom, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Amen. The Bible saying the Son, which is the Spirit manifested in the flesh, is simply the express image of God, the person of God. Amen. It's very important that you know what person means. It didn't say one of the persons of God. It said he is the express image of the person of God. Amen. Praise God. I'm having fun. Colossians 1 and 12. Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Thank God we got Isaiah 9 and 6 and we know who the son is. Amen. It's all through the Bible. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Who is the what? He's the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of every creature. Amen. The Bible is saying he is the image of the invisible God. When you realize God is a spirit. Everybody say God is a spirit. You can't see a spirit. i got people acting like they can, but you can't. God is a spirit. In order for you to see God, he had to manifest himself. In the flesh. And the Bible said he is the image of that invisible God. Colossians 2 and 8. Beware. Lest any man spoil you. That means ruin you. That means destroy you. Through philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men. After the rudiments of the world. And not after Christ. For in him. Everybody say in him. In him, in who? What were we talking about? What did, the, what did the Bible say at the end of the 8th verse? Christ. Everybody say Christ. That's the anointed. That's the Messiah. That's Jesus. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power. Amen. The Bible is teaching us that in Jesus Christ dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead. Amen. What is the Godhead? I thought you would never ask. It's a Greek word called theotis, meaning deity or divinity. And the Bible said all of it dwells in Jesus, all deity All divinity dwelleth in Jesus bodily. That means if it was was anything God, if it was any deity, if it was any divinity, you call it whatever, whatever title, wonderful, counselor, mighty God, prince. If it was deity, the Bible said it was all in him bodily. Amen. When he was walking down the seashore, you were looking at the mighty God. 
Amen. When he was walking and touching and helping people, it, it didn't matter what it was. It was all in him. And you are complete in him. Everybody say he's the head of all principality and power. Wouldn't it be confusing to have to think that there was three persons that you had to pray to and try to figure out who had the most pull that day and who was on shift and who was on call and who wasn't. Praise God. Who was in a good mood? Who was in a bad mood? Amen. We are complete in Him. Amen. He's the head of everything. Amen. Thank God for it. Now with this understanding of the Father Son relationship, let us look at the revealed singular name of the Father. Acts 9 and 3, this is a story about Saul, eventually would be Paul. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? That's in red letters. Don't you love that? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Amen. Here's the key point of this little scripture. That after being thrown down to the ground, Saul hears a voice from heaven. He knows it's God. And he responds with the question, who art thou, Lord? Everybody say, Lord. In the New Testament, when it's Lord, kurios is the Greek word. This word means the supreme being. It is the title that is given to God. So Paul knows he's talking to God. This is so miraculous. He's been not, he knows this God's done got his attention. And he says, who art thou, Curios, who art thou, Lord? Who art thou, God? And the voice speaks back to him and says, I am Jesus. I am Jesus. John 5 and 43 in red letters, the Bible said, I am come in my... Think about that a while. He said, I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. This was a rebuke of those that were there that day. Jesus is telling the Jewish leaders that he was given no honor. Even though he had arrived, he had showed up, he came in his Father's name. Amen. So this is, we're still trying to figure out Matthew 28, 19, okay? So if the Bible tells us that Jesus, the Son, the manifestation, God is God manifested or revealed in the flesh. And the Bible tells us that Jesus is the express image of the person of God. And Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And that Jesus is the Lord, the supreme being. And Jesus said, I have come in my Father's name. What does the Bible say is the revealed name of the Father? Well, it took a long time to get to that answer. 
What a wonderful trip, though. Praise God. What is the name of the son? Usually most people get this one right. Matthew 1 and 21, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. What does the Bible say is the name of the son? Well, we're getting somewhere. What is the name of the Holy Ghost? John 14 and 26 in red letters, the Bible said, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father was sent in, what did he say? Who's saying it? What did he say it was going to come in? My name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. John 14 and 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter. What is the comforter? It's the Holy Ghost. We just read it. How's it going to come? In his name. That he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth. Him and this Holy Ghost is the comforter. And now it's described as the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not. Neither knoweth him. But he's looking at his disciples and he's saying, but you know him. For he's dwelling with you. And shall be in you. He's saying, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. So if the Bible said that the Holy Ghost, which is the comforter, will be sent in Jesus' name. And if the Bible said, he said, I am with you, but I shall be in you. In the form of the spirit of truth. And if he says I will not leave you comfortless. But I will come to you. What does the Bible say is the name connected to the Holy Ghost? Jesus. Praise God. Boy you are making a hundred so far. So since the name of Jesus encompasses the titles. Father. Son. Holy Ghost, we must conclude that Jesus was simply saying in Matthew 28, 19 that baptism should be administered by calling the singular name of Jesus over the individual. An understanding of the name of Jesus is very critical. Amen. And this is in complete agreement with the words of Jesus in the prior scripture. Matthew 28, 18. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. If Matthew 28, 19 was a power sharing agreement, Jesus blew it up in 28, 18. Amen. Because he said, I've got all the power. Amen. The following scriptures give us more understanding about the name of Jesus. Acts 4 and 10 being known unto you all And to all the people of Israel, that by what? 
by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Praise God. Are you thankful for the name of Jesus? So now let us read the scriptures and see if the disciples came to the same conclusion of calling on the name of Jesus in baptism that we just came up with. And as we study, I want you to keep in mind that in Bible days there were three divisions of people. You were either a Jew, you were a Gentile, which means you were a non-Jew, or you were a Samaritan, which means you were a mixture of a Jew and Gentile. You were Jew, Gentile, or Samaritan. And if you will notice when you begin to read this New Testament that all people got taught the same gospel and received the same Holy Ghost. Amen. Let's see how the, uh, the Jews were baptized in Acts 2.38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Let's see how the Samaritans were baptized. Acts 8 and 15, Who when they were come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. How were the Gentiles baptized? Acts 10 and 44. When Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter. Because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of what? In the name of the Lord. I had a man tell me one time, well, don't say Jesus, it just says Lord. I said, well, we're in Acts the 10th chapter. Let's go back to the 9th chapter. Who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus. Amen. How were the disciples of John rebaptized? Acts 19 and 2, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they, and they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Curios, Jesus. Amen. How was the apostle Paul baptized? Acts 22 and 12 and 1, Ananias, a devout man according to the law, Having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. 
In the same hour I looked up upon him and he said, The God of our fathers hath chosen thee that thou shouldest know his will and see that just one and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth for thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. And now why tarriest thou? What you waiting on? (laughs) Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins calling on the name of the Lord. Who's the Lord? Who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus. Everywhere in the New Testament that there was a baptism, it was always in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. I tell people who believe they baptized in three titles, I tell them, if you can find me one instance in that Bible where they did it, I'll let you baptize me that way. Uh, Amen. Because you ain't going to find it. I've read it 20 times. Uh, Everywhere they baptize, uh, they baptize in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm trying. Other scriptures confirming Jesus' name, baptism. Colossians 3 and 17, whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. That means you're praying over your food and you're saying in Jesus' name. You're praying over the sick and you're saying in Jesus' name. You're praying over your finances, you're saying in Jesus' name. He's saying go ahead when you get down in the water, go ahead and do that in Jesus' name also. Everything you do in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Romans 6 and 3, know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into, baptized into what? Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with, we need to highlight him. Amen. Because some people think it's them. Amen. We got our pronouns right at Calvary, Pentecostal Church. We're buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead of the, from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Galatians 3 and 27, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Amen. Here's a few. I know this is what the Bible says, but I had to throw in a few little historical facts. Confirming biblical teaching of Jesus' name, baptism. The Britannica Encyclopedia says the baptismal formula was changed from the name of Jesus Christ to the words Father, Son, and Holy Ghost by the Catholic Church in the second century. And it's noted. You can go look it up. Caney Encyclopedia of Religion says the early church always baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus until the development of the Trinity doctrine in the second century. The Catholic Encyclopedia, here the Catholics acknowledge that baptism was changed by their own church. Hastings Encyclopedia of Religion says Christian baptism was administered using the words in the name of Jesus. Baptism was always in the name of the Lord Jesus until the time of Justin Martyr when the triune formula began to be used. That's volume 2, page 389 of the Hastings Encyclopedia of Religion. But name was an ancient synonym for person. 
payment was always made in the name of some person referring to ownership. And therefore, if you were baptized in Jesus' name, you became his property. Amen. Just like the Bible said, you were bought with a price. Amen. You're not your own. Amen. You belong to him. Amen. Does the Bible say Jesus' name baptism is an essential part of attaining salvation? Yes. Has anybody baptized you and said, I baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Clap your hands to the Lord. What does the Bible say about the Holy Ghost? The Holy Spirit. Do you got to have that? Most people say it's just a gift. A lot of churches say it's just for a few strange people. For a few really committed whatevers. And I don't care what they say, I want to know what the Bible says. John 3 and 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. I could have kept reading it said, you'll never see it. Not only not enter in, you'll never even see it. Romans 8 and 9, but you are not in the flesh, but in the need to highlight spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. This is capital S. This ain't the spirit of a man. This is the spirit of God. Uh, amen. If the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the. If any man have not the. He is. Romans 8 and 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body by his spirit that does what? That dwelleth in. You know what that Bible is saying? If you don't have the capital S Holy Spirit inside of you, uh, there's nothing to quicken you. Uh, there is no resurrection uh, if there's no spirit. Uh, boy, I feel the Holy Ghost. So what is the Holy Ghost? How will I know I have received it? I, you know, I've heard preachers just lay their hands on men and say, you got it. Well, I want to know what the Bible says. An Old Testament prophecy of the Holy Ghost was Isaiah 28 and 11. He prophesied of what was going to happen. He said, with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people to whom he said, this is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. Amen. This is an Old Testament prophecy of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. It's going to be with stammering lips and another tongue. And it's what's going to give you rest. And it's what's going to give you refreshing. A New Testament prophecy of the Holy Spirit before it was poured out. John 3 and 8, red letters. Jesus speaking to Nicodemus would say, the wind bloweth where it listeth, or that means where it wants to. And thou, everybody say, I hear the sound thereof, but cannot tell whence it cometh or whether it goeth. Amen. You hear the sound 
of the wind blowing where it wants to. You hear the sound, but, but you don't know where it's coming from. You don't know where that wind that blows through the trees, you don't know what tree it's going to next. And the Bible says, so is everyone that is born of the capital S Holy Spirit. Amen. The key point of this is Jesus is saying that the arrival of the Spirit is distinguishable by a sound. Amen. This word sound, the Greek word is phone, where we get the English word phonics from. Amen. It's the building blocks of a language. Amen. Jesus was prophesying to Nicodemus saying, it's going to be another language. Just like the wind blows through the trees and you hear all the noise. and You don't know where it came from, where it's going to. When somebody gets the Holy Ghost, you ain't going to know where it came, what direction that spirit just came from. Or, amen. You don't know who it's going to touch next. But you're going to hear the sound thereof. And you're going to know they got the Holy Ghost. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Well, I got the Holy Ghost, but I didn't speak in tongues. I didn't. Hang on. You might have felt God. You might have felt good. Repentance is a great feeling. Confession is a great feeling. Believing is a great feeling. Turning from what you were is a great feeling. But there's got to be a sound. And someone receives the Holy Ghost. Some people say, well, that's just what y'all believe. Let's see what the Bible says. Let us study and see if this is what happened when the Holy Ghost was poured out. Acts 2 and 4, it's all Jews. Let's see what happens to them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to what? Speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I'm telling you, when the Jews got the Holy Ghost, that was a sound came into that room. Hallelujah. I'm trying to teach. Y'all help me. Praise God. When the Gentiles received the Holy Ghost, Acts 10 and 44, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision, just meaning the Jews, which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. The way the Jews knew the Gentiles just got the Holy Ghost, they heard the sound just like they heard on the day of Pentecost when they got the Holy Ghost. Same thing happened. Disciples of John. Acts 19 and 6, these were the guys I talked about earlier who had been baptized into the baptism of repentance. See what happens to them when they get the Holy Ghost. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them. And they spake with tongues and prophesied. Amen. The Bible is very clear that the initial evidence of receiving the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit is that there will be a sound of the individual speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Does the Bible show that speaking in tongues is the sound accompanying the infilling of the Holy Ghost? 
Yes. Have you been blessed? Amen. For the Holy Ghost to fall on you. And speak in tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. Praise God. Boy, I'm having fun. These are the words of Jesus to Nicodemus. In conclusion, if I was preaching, I would say, in closing. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not, don't be shocked, that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. I was sitting across the table from somebody that needed the Holy Ghost. I would say, does your salvation experience include being born again of the water? Jesus' name, baptism. And of the Spirit, receiving the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking with other tongues. Simon Peter was given the keys to the kingdom of heaven in the 16th chapter of Matthew. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. He was given the keys to the kingdom. And Jesus said, whatever you hear, whatever he preaches to you, whatever's heard on earth, that's the same thing you're going to hear when you get to judgment. The day of Pentecost had come. The first message was preached by the man who had the keys. And at the end of the message, they were convicted. This was the first day of the church. And the people that were there that were convicted asked the man who had the keys, What shall we do? What shall we do? And the man with the keys to the kingdom said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We must conclude by the study of the Word that there is a mandatory born-again experience which includes birth of water and of the Spirit. 
the reading of a sinner's prayer and or the mental believing on Christ and accepting Him to be one Savior is biblically insufficient to obtain salvation. The Bible is very plain that there would be signs that would follow those that believe. They shall speak with new tongues. If believing alone was enough to obtain salvation, the Apostle Paul would have congratulated the men of Ephesus when he realized that they were believers. Instead, he asked them the question in Acts 19 and 2. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? So we must not allow ourselves to stop at believing alone. Believing must lead us to confessing and repenting. Confessing and repenting must lead us into the water to be baptized in Jesus' name. And we must continue to seek Him until we are filled with the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Could you lift your hands all across this house? I want the Holy Ghost to come down on everybody in this place. <laughs> Come on, I want you to pray until the Holy Ghost begins to flow through you. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Come on, from this room, God could send his spirit out across this whole city. Come on, somebody needs to let a burden fall upon you right now. Come on, just begin to cry out to God. I need you, O oh Lord, I need you. I need you, O oh Lord, I need you. I want everybody in this room. It only takes a minute. It only takes a minute to get a breakthrough. One minute. Moshalaba Katalaba. I believe God. Come on, if you believe it with all your heart, you've confessed. 
everything, whatever. God, I've made mistakes in my life. You began to turn. I'm telling you just because you spoke in tongues one time. That's not a guarantee to go in it. You've got to walk in the Spirit. I've seen a lot of people have a magnificent conversion power. And then I've watched them block up. And never pursue it any further. I'll tell you, that's not the will of God. God wants His people to be free. God don't want you bound by bitterness, jealousy, envy, strife, backbiting, bound by perversion, the things of the world, the temptations. God wants you free as a little bird. I'm telling you, the one that liberates is in this room right now. The one that sets free is in this room right now. What do I need to do? You need to pray until the Holy Ghost begins to pray through you. He said out of your belly, out of your innermost being, shall flow rivers of living water. This spake He of the Spirit. Well, I don't know about that. This is of God. God wants everybody to be filled with the Holy Ghost. God wants you filled every day of your life. God wants you to have a breakthrough every moment, every day. Come on, prayer warriors. Come on, let's let a mighty rushing wind.